0: I'm sitting here with Emma Shaw and she is the chief rebel and the founder of the Rebel Yell Club and Mm -hmm. what she's doing with the Rebel Yell Club is she's essentially helping people be unapologetically themselves and many other things but firstly thanks so much for taking the time today to sit with me I really I'm really excited.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Gavin. It's uh, sex. I love doing things like this. I love hearing people talk about what I do.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's also, really good I one. people can probably even tell from the first couple of seconds, just like your energy and the excitement, which is uh, really <laughs> awesome. So for the people who don't know you, maybe they haven't come across you before, kind of give everyone just a hey and an introduction to what you're doing at the Rebel Yell Club, who you're working with, the type of things you're doing. Just a couple of minutes would be amazing.
1: Great. OK, so um, Rebel Yell Club is um, essentially a membership um, model. Um, I have a big free community called Rebels and Rule Breakers on Facebook. And the spin-off from that that is on Mighty Networks platform. Mm. Um, and that is a, at the moment, a small group of about 20 odd members of people who are learning to um, understand who they are, to accept who they are and potentially love who they are and be that person unapologetically and part of the ethos of it was that I've always wanted as a coach to be able to reach um, as many people as I can without actually you know self-sacrificing too much Mm -hmm. so membership helps me do that and it also helps me to provide um, what would normally be quite high ticket services um, and coaching to people in development At a price that's really really approachable for most people Mm. so that's really important to me because it's you know as a kind of person who works with sort of spiritual stuff it's you know getting that that uh, message out and that that um, purpose out to people is is um really important to me so that's come from um that's come from me going through a journey as these things often often are Mm. and um I'm 43 now was 40 43 week before last. And it's it's taken me 42 of those 43 years to figure mm-hmm. out what I was meant to be doing. Um and my sort of back history is that I um spent many, many years in corporate world in big, big name companies, big blue chip companies and and financial services, telecoms, all sorts of other things. And while some of that experience was good, a lot of it was very toxic. Mm and what I learned is that I was unable to be myself my full self because not only part of me was wanted in that world mm. and I, I ended up going freelance doing learning and development which has been my background for many many years and realized that I was still working with corporate clients so I hadn't really escaped mm. um, even though I was self-employed so I you know I, I could I was unable to affect the change that I wanted to um, in that world. So I've, I've moved into coaching and I guess I was sort of in denial for a little while about how, because coaching's always been something I've done. It's that classic sort of zone of genius is right in front of your face thing and you're ignoring it. Um, so I stepped into that and then I got, um, I got, I one day was sat in my living room and thinking, there's something else I'm meant to be doing here. And I just, I was just trying to let it go because I think I was trying to hold on to it too tight. And all of a sudden, like, I literally got a voice in my head that said, and it was such a specific instruction, it's ridiculous. Um, the voice actually said, start a group called Rebels and Rule Breakers. And I just sat there going, What is that? What, what on earth are you talking about? That makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. But I just did it and it just went off and it's become this so there's about i started it last november there's about 800 people in there now mm-hmm. and the feedback i get from that group is amazing because it's people just um being able to be themselves and learn about things from each other um and we're really exploring this concept of what being a rebel is in a modern context mm. um, that i think is probably quite different from the usual connotations of, of what rebellion is
0: yeah, no, I, I feel like there's already so much to touch on there. I think, I mean, I just love that I'm, you start to see these patterns every time. The fact that you were in a corporate job, you said you kind of only found your transition now. And it's just like, I, I love that message coming up over and over again, because so many people think it's like, oh, it's way too late for me to change. Oh, this is who I am. I'm in this job. And they just, too scared they think it's too late but hearing these stories over and over again of success, very successful people in corporate life crushing it doing really well and just think this isn't what i was meant to do this isn't what i feel passionate about taking that yeah. further on
1: yeah i call it the corporate sludge so i one of the things i do one-to-one is to help people get out of the corporate sludge and into a free-range life mm-hmm. And i think it's that freedom that really resonates with people people want freedom
0: so when you say get them out of the corporate sludge, is it getting them out of their current jobs or environment, or is it kind of learning to bring themselves, their true selves into that environment?
1: It could mean both of those things, actually. And I think Rebel Yell certainly does a lot of that work with people um, in the membership. Um, the work I tend to do with people one-to-one is usually the, the former version of that. So actually getting them out of escaping the career cage. Mm. Um, and helping them to understand where their zone of genius is, and creating a life um, around that purpose um, and that value system that means that they don't, you know, they're able to earn a great living um, from doing the thing that they love, and that it doesn't feel like work anymore. You know, because I think we're taught that we everything has to be hard work, and that mm. to earn money we have to sacrifice. And I, I actually don't agree with any of that at all.
0: Yeah, and then you end up kind of much further on in life. And you're like, now I'm stuck in here, I can't do anything, this is who I am. And that's when you kind of lose control and everything. So just, uh, just to make sure that everyone watching kind of has a great picture of what you do. So are you working mostly the people in the group? Are they mostly those currently in corporate life, corporate world? Or is it kind of a kind of a mix, actually?
1: it's a it's a mix actually and I think one of the things I've perhaps found challenging is you know some of the usual marketing spiel where you would find your client avatar by mm-hmm. very nature rebel yell is actually a bunch of misfits you know in yeah. to some degree or other whether they would think of themselves as that or not I don't know but yeah definitely a mix so some people are in in an employed role and you know have no intention of at this stage of, of getting out of that and then others are either entrepreneurs or or budding entrepreneurs um or they you know they perhaps don't see themselves as entrepreneurs yet they're just doing a bit of you know something that you know is there that requires them to do their their business in a different way so I have a separate almost like club within a club called rebel business where people can work on their their businesses and become more entrepreneurial mm. um, in their belief systems but and do their business the way they want rather than what the world tells them they need to want so um there's a lot in all of the work I do there's a lot around letting go of the inner and outer rules that hold you back mm. I think there's a lot of a lot of those
0: yeah. well, there must be lots of good resonance though with those who are currently in the corporate world because you were yourself in that world. So it's like, I went through this journey and now I'm here. You are currently still in that place, but I can help you kind of on that journey because I had that exact same situation.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you know, I took a crazy leap of faith. I left, I took voluntary, sorry I took um, compulsory redundancy and I just decided to be self-employed with no savings, nothing no no decent redundancy payout I just leapt off the edge of a cliff and did it and that was you know over five years ago Um, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to people because some people want to kind of transition into that um slower but for me it was a you know it was a burning platform that made me made me do it and you know I didn't want to go back to a normal job ever again so
0: it was a true chief rebel move right there
1: oh yeah (laughs) nature favors the risk taker and all of that
0: (laughs) so that that five years ago so was that jump from corporate to freelance or was it from freelance to doing your own thing completely
1: it was jumping from from corporate to freelance yeah
0: yeah was it like a specific thing that came up that you were like um done with this or was it kind of just a build up in one day what was that feeling
1: I think it was it was probably a build up. Um, I don't I think when I look back on my career history, I'd always had um, I've always been a bit of a problem child for a number of reasons. One, because I can't not wear my heart on my sleeve. I am. I'm an empath. I'm an emotional person. I can't hide that. I actually physically haven't got the cap- uh, capability of hiding my emotions. And if things are unfair or, un- or unethical, I really struggle with that.
2: Mm.
1: And um, I, you know, I I just, I I, do, I become a problem. There's only ever been one manager in my entire career who understood who I was and how to um, let me be who I was and allow that to be of value to the business um but other than that I've really struggled and then the last organization I worked in was extremely toxic um I had a couple of bosses one in particular who um I personally feel potentially had psychopathic tendencies and I know that sounds extreme but I I don't say that lightly um and the organization in general fostered a toxic leadership Mm -hmm. culture um and people it turned good people bad because they were just trying to survive yeah
2: um
1: And I never, I you know, I had some really tough times, really, really tough times. This, things were really dark at one point. But um, what I can definitely say hand on heart, having walked away from that, is that I never, ever compromised my values or ethics, my, you know, whatsoever. But that made me a problem. And, you know, that was kind of something I've had to come to to accept and, and love about myself as well, which is yeah. you know, what I do with other people now. So, yeah.
0: No, that's powerful. And I think people are really appreciative that you you shared that because there probably, there could be many people watching this who, like I said, they might be wanting to make that jump into coaching in the more spiritual and holistic space. And maybe the way you describe some of these feelings and the environment they were in, maybe that's what they're actually experiencing right now. And they're like, oh, wow, that's literally what I'm in right now. Yeah. There is potentially an out Doing your own thing, or there's coaching with people like yourselves who you can help them out that situation. So I think that's really awesome to share those emotions because some people just like ah, oh, this is just the way it is. But when I speak to someone like you, and yeah. it's like, oh, it doesn't have to be like that almost.
1: Yeah, that's it, and it's it's about little choices all the time. You know, um, just sort of checking in with with who you are and 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 trying to just you know explore and be curious about whether the things you're doing are really for you or whether they're for other people and whether they're because of other people's expectations but there's lots and lots of little decisions you can make around that every single day Mm. I mean you know I I talk all the time about being unapologetically yourself but I you know I still struggle with that every day it's it's always a work in progress always
0: Yeah, a mindset that's really clicked for me in the last couple of weeks was just a random discussion with a friend. And we realized like almost everything, it's like a muscle. It's like if you've potentially struggled to be an apologetic you, or maybe you've had lots of negative thoughts that bubble up all throughout your life. And that's kind of the norm. Like I know maybe that muscle hasn't been worked. It takes time to build it up that the opposite becomes the norm. So it's just like- you know wherever it, catch yourself it's never going to be perfect but you just got to keep working in it each time
1: yeah that's it you've got to you know keep sort of getting you know just sort of driving through that groove in the mm. in the road and making that deeper and deeper and deeper and it you know eventually it becomes just how you do things you know but then there's also that complacency thing that can come in at that point so it's you know you always have to stay committed to that 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 self-mastery journey don't you mm.
0: oh so you're saying even once you've taken that journey and you've made improvements and you can see changes you can still reach a, a point that you're like you can't kind of lose that drive or can expand on that
1: yeah I think so I think you know it for me um you know if I perhaps take my um ability to deal with uncertainty so this is a big thing um you know that I talk about a lot and you know Tony Robbins quote on um how the quality of your life is um in proportion in direct proportion to the amount of uncertainty you can comfortably deal with Mm. that's something i have worked on a lot when i 20 years ago i was definitely a victim of of life and you know very much had low resilience um, and um Part of that was because I actually had a really fantastic upbringing. My value system was so high that I got very disappointed and hurt by people when I got older. So um, I ended up having a bit of a bit of a breakdown, I guess, and, and some depression and so on. But mm. my 20s and then I had to build this kind of um, resilience up and this this understanding of how to manage my own self. And that, that it was me that, that had to change and it was my outlook that I had to change. Um, and I, I I don't think that's ever something I want to lose um a grip of you know I think um i think I think a grip is probably too too strong a word but but lose an awareness of um you know there, there are always going to be things sent to test me and to try me and to to you know have me check in with my belief systems and um, all of those things and I think if I rest on my laurels at any point then my comfort zone is going to get a lot smaller and um, my resilience will will you know dwindle and and that so that's like you say it's like training a muscle isn't it you can't expect to become an Olympic athlete and then not train anymore mm. um, and, and still win those races it's just not going to happen so it's a lifelong commitment and if you let go at any point of that, that awareness, that desire to keep moving, um, then you're getting into the realms of, oh, well, I'm too too old to change now, you know, and I just never want to hear myself say that.
2: Yeah,
0: no, I mean, I think that's an extremely powerful insight for, say, people in, say, still corporate or in a certain lifestyle and they want to change or they've made a jump. And they're thinking like, oh, now everything's going to be easy peasy and life's groovy. But it's like, no, you've got to still keep on it. you got to keep pushing yourself. You can't ever kind of let up. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned yeah. something You mentioned something a little bit earlier, which I think people would really be keen to hear on is you said you kind of had that moment slash epiphany of I'm going to start the the Rebel Yell group and it kind of just like took off. And now you've got a nice strong following. How yeah. did those the first uh, groups of people kind of come to find you how did you kind of connect with those first few people how did that kind of go
1: um well I think you know I, I as I say I opened the Facebook group um and just you know went with it and I think what I've learned is when I tune into my intuition I know I do what I'm told <laughs> yeah. um good things happen um And I just invited my friends and I think because of the title of it, people were like, Oh, this is intriguing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And then those who, who, who came in and stayed realized that what I wasn't talking about was that rebellion is a, is a perhaps a more traditional connotation of raging against the machine and fighting a cause and this, that and the other. It's about something very different. Mm. So those people that stuck around who got that became really integral to the group. And then that, Is just kind of reached a more of a critical mass I guess Mm.
2: um
1: and then the next thing you know people were inviting others all over the place Mm. giving amazing feedback about how the the space made them feel people revealing things about themselves to hundreds of people that they won't even talk to their friends and family about Mm. um and then when that became rebel yell um you know I sort of I'd wanted to do membership for a long time and I sort of birthed the concept and just sort of went out and, and invited a few people privately that I knew would be great members and got lots of yeses all in the space of a short, you know, the short few minutes or, or hours and was like, wow, this is a thing. This is actually happening now. This is incredibly exciting. Yeah. Um, and now I have a team of master rebels. There's four master rebels who helped me in the mission and they're just deeply passionate about what it represents and, Um, help me do you know moderation and help to build the business and run some of the the um, things that we do and and it's um it's just a really beautiful space and I'm I'm, it's way I mean it it almost instantly became way bigger than me so this has been a you know it's a really good exercise for me in detaching the ego from it which is just beautiful practice you know so yeah love it
0: yeah, it's you created such a strong community identity from like the get-go just by having such a unique. Well, it's your personality. It's your experiences, how you see the world, and it sounds like yeah. you really like. I don't care how people see this. I'm just that's how I'm gonna phrase this. This is how I see the community being, and either resonates with people or it doesn't resonate with people.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there have been some challenges with that more recently, particularly as when the, as the free groups got bigger the the paid group is different it seems to be very easy to manage people are in there because they're paying to be in there they're in there for the right reasons Mm. and the free group has been really interesting because there was a period of about a, a month not too long ago and I still deal with some issues now where one after the other there were lots and lots of things happening that were that contravened the ethos of the group
2: yeah
1: and um it was a real test for me in kind of standing up for what I believe in and really protecting that community as well so we you know we don't get into political debate in there we don't you know talk about sort of um outwardly rage against the machine type controversial stuff
2: yeah and
1: we don't you know we don't um allow we one of the the principles of it is that we if we're going to be unapologetically ourselves, we have to be accepting of those who also want to do that, even if it's not our thing. Mm. So this cancel culture of, of you know having a debate and, and shooting each other down in flames is absolutely not okay. Um, and then there's lots of people who are just using it as a promotion space, and I've had to you know really put my foot down on that. So ironically, for a group called Rebels and Rule Breakers, I've had to put in a fair <laughs> amount of rules um but that you know I I like to think of them as guiding principles um so there's been lots of those challenges um but again it's kind of tested me and it's also tested so one of the things that happened was there was a guy that effectively sort of started to troll me really and, and question my integrity which is a massive trigger for me
2: yeah
1: um and it you know I think it's allowed me to re-establish and to re-communicate on a regular basis what this group is about, which has actually made it stronger. Mm-hmm. But that has been, been a really interesting part of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the fact that you're so, I can't remember where I read this. I think it, it might've either been Russell Brunson or Jim Edwards, which is like a, a friend of Russell Brunson. And they were saying when those type of things come up of like, people pushing against or questioning kind of the way you see the world it's like if you step up and be like hey like we understand your position but this is kind of our guiding principles it makes the other people in the community respect you more and like it makes it stronger yeah. like because you you're willing to step up for everyone
1: absolutely and this is this is one of the biggest most impactful learnings for me in this whole journey so far it's been mm-hmm. what happens when you um apply love to a situation unconditionally yeah. so um, there, because there have been lots of silly behavior i'll give you one example there was somebody that posted something they just joined the group they assumed because it was rebels and rule breakers and they didn't read the background information that it was just about raging against stuff and they posted something with a thumbnail on it that said muslim grooming gang and i'm like absolutely totally incendiary you know at best you know not gonna happen removed it but I sent her a message saying listen this is kind of where we're at with it um let me help you understand a little bit Mm. um I understand you know you you're kind of frustrated with this but I'd love you know if you want to talk about one I'm very happy to do so rather than she listens to that message so I always do voice notes um, rather than respond to that she went straight back on the Facebook group and started raging again. Mm. And what I did in that scenario was I thought right okay well uh, you know let's just kind of apply this unconditional love concept. Um, and she left the group in the end.
2: Mm.
1: And there, that was the start of a number of things that happened one after the other after the other after the other. And what I found is that when if I reacted emotionally,
2: mm.
1: it made it worse. Um, and I got even more affected by it. If I applied, you know, it's this sort of love versus the fear thing. If I applied love to it, one of two things happens every single time. They either go away and they take their f- fight elsewhere, their fire and their fear elsewhere,
2: yeah.
1: or they come closer. Mm. And that's been fantastic that actually a couple of people that I've had to have conversations with, strong conversations with, have come towards me more and said I get it now how can I help you more how can I be part of this more Mm. Um, and have become bigger fans as a result and that's been really fascinating
0: yeah I mean for other people who might have a group kind of going already and they start encountering some of that stuff when you said kind of lead with love unconditional love what does that actually look like when that happens is it kind of certain messaging or is it reaching out to them can you talk about that a bit
1: it's a good question i think probably the first thing is is the internal stuff and and you know it probably a, is a rule for everything I, I guess um the first thing that probably for me is acknowledging that it might give me an emotional trigger mm. and that that's okay but that it's how I respond to that that makes a difference. So if I respond based on that emotional trigger, then it's probably not going to go so well.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. If I allow that just to settle and detach my ego from it,
2: mm. and
1: you know, step into my higher self and do do that thing instead, then um, that works better. And I think probably from a from a communication perspective, it the first thing I always do is acknowledge. Um, you know even if it's not something I can necessarily resonate with I think there's always some empathising that I can do to say listen I you know I understand where you're coming from here I hear what you're saying or I acknowledge that this is frustrating you or I understand your your intention here Mm -hmm. and let me help you understand kind of where we are Mm -hmm. um, and if you would like to talk about it I'd be more than happy to have that conversation yeah um, so we just opening. Yeah. it is creating that space you know for dialogue i think yeah. is important
0: yeah because i guess if you come back just like hard hidden they're going to dig in you're going to dig in just back and forth yeah it becomes
1: like a parent child thing or a you know i'm just you yeah, know, it's it doesn't it just it rarely works in those scenarios so yeah
0: yeah no, that's amazing so you so you started the group, it really took off, and you were inviting people, and then friends and friends were inviting people, and then you start the paid group, just kind of, you had this idea, and you reached out. What did that kind of look like? Was it just like, hey, I'm thinking I'm thinking this for a, kind of a exclusive, smaller group, would this something be you'd be interested in? Was it that type of messaging almost?
1: Yeah, it was, really. It was sort of, a, you know, I've been, it was either pe- people that I knew very closely, or people that I'd kind of you know been a had an awareness of a, around the free group that I just kind of said listen I, I really like your vibe I think you'd be great for this and mm. um, I think you you know you'd get a lot from it and would you you know would you be happy to kind of do this exploration with me and start you know start as one of my founding members mm. um and most people immediately said yes. And the, the couple that said, no, we just kind of, we can't afford it right now. You know, it was just, it's tough times. It was right in the middle of the, of, um, the last UK lockdown. So, yeah, um, yeah it was, uh, it was, it was a really, it, it was a scary time. You know, I sort of put the message out there and kind of sat there going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh, my God, oh my God. And then all of a sudden these yeses started bouncing in. I was like, oh my God, people actually want to do this. This is great, so... Yeah, and it just went from there and we've we've just kind of explored our way through it so far and um it's seems to be working really well
2: yeah
0: no i think from that's there. a it's an amazing lesson there for people who want to potentially start something like this themselves is like what is your kind of unique personality what's yeah. something that you real really feel like strong about that you can give people value in and if yeah. something comes up and you think it, it's going to be valuable, like generally feel like it's going to be valuable and you're not just trying to sell people things, just put the message yeah. out. Like, yeah, you do expose yourself to potential no's, but when does it it stronger? Good? Yeah, exactly. When, when you put it in there with good intention, you honestly believe it's going to bring value. So you just got to yeah. put that message out.
1: Absolutely. And it's easier probably than people think as well to get things started. Mm. Uh, I, guide a couple of people through creating their own memberships now because actually membership has been something I've been around for a good number of years and Mm. done a lot of research and and you know my the original version of what I wanted to do was way over complicated had way too much content in its in its concept and um you know lots of I I thought I'd had to do all this tech stuff and actually it's really really simple to get something started Um, And I I now have this, so I talk a lot about being in your zone of genius and what I've discovered is that when I'm in that place, um, I get this um, feeling of, so I use this analogy a lot, but it, it, you know, on cartoons, sometimes you see a train coming down a track and there's no track in front of it, but people are desperately laying the track down. I get that, that image. And somehow when I'm in that zone, that works okay. If I'm not in my zone of genius and I, I'm, it's all about control and I feel out of my depth and I've got imposter syndrome and all that stuff, um, I feel like everything has to be prepared to the nth degree. Mm. Um, but, I, but I think with membership, if you get the right founding members who are prepared to be part of carving out what that becomes, then you can do that just quite curious Um, responsive you know flexible thing Mm. Um, and people massively overcomplicate membership and they and actually that's one of the biggest mistakes you can make so keeping it simple keeping it true to the purpose and the original reason is absolutely one of the the best things you can do
0: okay so how would you kind of define like the simplest most core form of like a membership almost
1: well, there's 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 lots of um, there's lots of different ways you can do membership, and I think one of the things is first of all to make sure you design it in a way that you want to deliver as a as a as a person, um, you know, to to design the benefits and the interactions in such a way that it that it works for your life, not the other way around. Mm. But I think in terms of the principles of why memberships exist, what I've discovered is there's normally a couple of different reasons why why they happen that and they're Often blended together. So, one of the the one of the reasons people come into a membership, I think, is for the benefits they get. So, for example, with mine, I I do a masterclass every month with a different expert. So it's not me having to create the content all mm-hmm. the time. Um, they have regular community coaching calls with me. They have um, a, a coaching program twice a year that I design and deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like self-led learning. And a number of other things besides now people come in for that reason because they want the self-development so there's a problem that they want to solve or something that they want to master so that's two of the key principles with a membership but what the reason they stay is for the community
0: yeah
1: and it's that sense of belonging now if you can get so solving a problem or mastering something and community if you can get two out of those three or even all three then you've got, you've got something pretty special. But even one, just being the me- a member of a community where, and that's what Rebels and Rule Breakers does, the free group, It's mm. people, you know, I'm not generating a whole load of content in there. I do do some things, you know, there's a lot of things that people get for free in that group, um, but actually the reason it's so thriving is, be- is because of each other and that, you know, everybody feels they belong to something together. It's something important. And we, you know, as human beings, we have that need to be connected to each other, don't we? And be Mm. part of something.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Especially when you say, for example, if a lot of people have been in that corporate world where it's like a very unique environment and not necessarily in a good way, when you felt so out of like a tribal community and then it's like, oh, wow, this is, this feels good.
1: And it's like, yeah that's it and you know I think in corporate world sometimes you can end up being part of a tribal community because everything's so bad that you have you know it's like a survival thing you have to club together in your misery you know I've been in that situation before as well and but it's never a good way to connect with people um so yeah it's you know if you can be part of something that actually makes you feel excited and good about yourself and wanting to help each other and that's a really powerful thing.
0: Yeah. And I think that's also an extremely good um, point for us to start wrapping up on is I just love kind of your focus on the membership. Because obviously a lot of people do one-on-one coaching or kind of class groups where if it's like yoga or holistic or more spiritual type things. But I think that it's like, you don't necessarily have to always do one-on-one coaching like from the get go. It's like, if you've been part of this certain environment and you just haven't found a group of your people you can be that person who creates that group of people and there's almost certainly others in who've had that same feeling if they've been in your same environment as well
1: yeah absolutely and I think the other thing membership works really well for is if you want if you if you're not ready to transition from an employed job um, or you want to change your business Mm. doing membership actually can be a really great way to do like a bit of a side hustle, I guess, and, and let that grow till you're ready to take that leap. Um, and, but absolutely, it's what it, what it does, you know, from a kind of, I guess, a business model perspective, it's a really great model because, you know, generally speaking, if you do the right things, then the membership should grow. Um, and, you know, you may lose a few members here and there, but if it's growing, it's actually quite a stable business model. Um, doing one-to-one stuff is a lot more risky because mm-hmm. you lose a couple of clients or a couple of clients finish their journey you still you've got to be constantly topping up that pipeline yeah Um yeah. doing a blend of both actually works really well because having a membership means that automatically your one-to-one services become more premium mm. um, and it also means that people can transition very easily between the two so you might have people who are members who then get to know you so well that they want to work with you one-to-one and then I can offer preferential rates because they're a member yeah. well you might have people that are working with you one-to-one that that get to the end of the program or whatever and um and then think well actually I want to carry on with this but I don't want to be paying whatever a month you know to to get this premium rate coaching I want to be part of yeah. part of Rebel instead. Yeah instead so it, it it just works works really really well.
0: And that, as you were saying in your own journey, it could be as simple as just creating the group and inviting whoever you think would mm. be a really good fit for it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's just that just start, you know, just do trust your intuition, trust your nudges, you know, from the universe or whatever your belief system is. Just go with it, go with something, just try it out because it doesn't matter if it's the right thing or not just starting something will, will give you lots of learning and, and, um, you know, just keep it joyful, keep it playful and, and be curious. And, and that's the, that's the best way to start, you know, rather than thinking I need to make a business out of this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone wants to, to reach out to you or join the the rebel club and get part of the community, what's like the best way for people to connect with you, reach out to you, find you?
1: Well, the first step, I guess, would be to um, come find us in the in the Facebook group. So that's Rebels and Rule Breakers. And it's and with the um, and symbol, the ampersand, rather than the and word. Um, so that's one easy way in. Um, I am I literally just now, after this, about to have a meeting with my marketing guy about my website. So that's not not quite launched yet,
2: yeah.
1: um, but it will be. And that's that's rebelyellclub.com. Mm -hmm. um and um people can join sort of by just contacting me at the moment really and we can get you signed up and in the mighty networks app and it has its own separate app so you're not kind of drowned out in facebook and all of that stuff so um so yeah and i'm on linkedin and all of those things so yeah i'm quite happy for people to pm me and all of that
0: amazing yeah we'll just include all the links and descriptions and everything in the bottom yeah, I want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been really insightful.
1: Thank you, gavin I've loved it. It's, it's always good to talk this stuff out and you know, remind yourself of why you're here doing what you do, you know?
0: Absolutely. Chat soon.
1: Thank you very much.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode of the automator series as much as I enjoyed having it. And there are two things I want you to do now. I want you firstly to follow me on YouTube, get that subscription in because you're gonna see all the new episodes popping up in that case, and you can stay on top of the series. And the second thing is, I want you to reach out to me. If uh, anything we discussed on the episode today resonated with you in regards to potentially taking a jump into an online spiritual coaching business, or you really have a business, and you're wanting to grow that out, and you're feeling like you could be impacting a lot more lives, but you don't quite have the time right now, you don't quite have the freedom you wanted, and you don't quite have those systems in place, I want you to reach out to me. So no pressure, no strings attached. Send me a message on Facebook, LinkedIn, email, whatever you prefer, and we can just have a conversation and a bit of a back and forth in regards to where you're at,
2: what you're looking for, and how I might be able to help you impact more lives with what you're doing.